Are you a parent in business that wants to learn digital marketing the right way? So you've got an amazing business and you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want everyone to know about it and you want to generate consistent revenue. You love the idea of your business working for you whilst you are busy making memories with your family. The one thing stopping you is digital marketing. From SEO to blogging, from creating your own digital courses to creating podcasts that parents will love. My Bumped Baby has the solution. We have launched our Digital Marketing Academy and it is designed for parent-focused business owners to grow and scale their business with ease. Our academy can be accessed from anywhere on any device, which means as a busy parent in business, you can learn on the go with our bite-sized straight-to-the-point videos. Join us today by visiting the link below and have seven-day free trial on us to see if the area is right for you. Click the link under this podcast to start benefiting today and access our training right away. We look forward to seeing you in there and teaching you everything you need to know about digital marketing for parent-focused businesses. Did you know that My Bump to Baby began as a blog that I started during maternity leave? Now, My Bump to Baby is one of the UK's leading pregnancy to preschool platforms. I'm Carla Lett and I am the founder of My Bumped Baby and I am so excited to now be able to offer training on how to blog successfully online. You may well be a mum and you are dreading returning to work after maternity leave or you might want to just work flexibly around your family. You could even be a business and you want to learn how to leverage your blog for ultimate success. Whatever you are looking for when it comes to blogging, I can help. You can join my blogging email list where you'll get loads of freebies, checklists and everything you can think of when it comes to blogging. You can join my blogging mailing list via www.mybump2baby.com forward slash blog subscribe. You can also access the link under this podcast. Hello and welcome to my Bump to Baby Expert podcast, where we bring experts from all over the UK to answer your questions on everything pregnancy to preschool. Hello everybody and welcome to My Bumped Babies Expert Podcast. Today I am joined by Bethan Carr, an associate in the family department of Pennington's Matches Cooper. And today we're going to be talking all about surrogacy law and all your questions surrounding that. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to My Bumped Babies Expert Podcast. Today, I am joined by Beth Ann Carr, an associate in the family team at Pennington's Manchester Cooper in Guildford. Hello, Beth Ann. How are you? 
Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? It's lovely to have you on here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. So today we're going to be talking all about surrogacy, which it is becoming increasingly popular for many reasons, because a lot of people do struggle to get pregnant, of course, which is is really hard. But then also a lot of celebrities like in America and stuff are actually using surrogates to carry their children for them. They are. They are. It's definitely becoming we're seeing it more in the media, I think, um, more frequently. And it's really it's really nice because it just shows that there are other ways that you can have children. So if for any reason you can't, there are other options out there. But it is important, obviously, to discuss the law side of it and, you know, all that aspect as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think people sometimes feel a little bit confused as to why you've kind of got to get a lawyer involved and it 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 does often feel quite odd actually um when you're advising people when they're you know just planning starting their family um but where where you're perhaps um you know planning a a baby via um via surrogacy via adoption via um you know donor conception um anything like that it, it is sensible just to get some legal advice so hopefully we can go over some of those points today in respect of surrogacy. Yeah, definitely. It's something um, very important that we should absolutely discuss. So firstly, Bethan, would you mind telling us a little bit about you and how you got into this area of law? Yeah, of course. Thank you for the introduction. I, I'm I'm an associate in the in, in the family team at, at Pennington's Manchester Cooper, and my my kind of home office is is Guildford. But I where I do this area of law, I um I often advise people over Zoom because my clients come from kind of all over um all over England, but also all over the world. So I'm 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 a family solicitor. Um, and I advise, you know, I advise people as to the whole range of kind of family law issues. So um, divorce, financial matters and, and, and children arrangements. But I, I have a particular specialism in, in surrogacy law. And so I regularly advise um, single people and couples who are considering surrogacy, whether that be in England and Wales or, or, or potentially overseas, in terms of the legal framework for surrogacy um, and the various steps they might need to take to ensure that they're recognised as the legal parents in this jurisdiction following the birth of of their baby. Um, And I've I've been qualified for about five and a half years now, uh, and relatively unusually, I specialised in surrogacy law from the very start of my career. And I I trained at a a specialist firm um, who only really did surrogacy cases. Uh, And my interest really, it came from personal reasons, really. I had a a, a close family member who sadly struggled to to have a family. And I I, I saw the impact of that. And it it made me feel uh, really committed to focusing my kind of my time and my efforts on, on helping people start their families. And particularly in respect of in respect of surrogacy. That's amazing. Wow. What a journey. It's nice when you actually, well, I say it's nice. It's really sad to see someone struggling to have the, a family of their own, but also when you can actually do something and, and be that voice for those people, That that's amazing. So that's that's really, really nice. So why would someone need a lawyer in circumstances where you were using a surrogate? So the, the, the reason being is that um, effectively, where you are conceiving through kind of artificial insemination or, or, or through alternative means, it, it, it's important to just think about 
am I going to be recognized as the legal parent following the birth? And am I going to have the relevant kind of rights and responsibilities that any parent has over that baby? Um, and in terms of surrogacy cases, this is particularly important because the, the position in England and Wales is that whoever whoever gives birth to a, a child is, is recognised as their legal mother. So that would be the surrogate. And if that person is married, so if the surrogate is, is married or, or if she's in a civil partnership, then the automatic position is that their spouse is recognised as the father or the second legal parent. Um, and that's the position, regardless of the biology or regardless of any agreement that anyone has ha- has entered into. So a, a, a process has to happen following the birth as a result of that, whereby um, the people who have um, permissioned the surrogacy arrangement, so we call them intended parents, they have to apply to the family court once the baby has been born in order to get something called a parental order. Um, and the impact of that parental order is that it will extinguish the status of the surrogate um, and her spouse and, and it will reassign parenthood to the intended parents. And so that's that's really where I come in. So it's that kind of post-birth legal process that that triggers the need to to have some kind of legal advice. Uh, and, and there's no there is, I should say, there's no legal requirement to to have a lawyer involved in in, in these kinds of arrangements. Um, but but often people do. And I I often say that I kind of I bookend the, the surrogacy process. So I I often will um, meet with intended parents at the very start of their journey. We'll when they've kind of just started thinking about this, they've perhaps decided that they need to go down the surrogacy route. They've started doing some research. Um, and they've got to the point where their clinic, um, their fertility clinic has said, OK, we'd like you to go and get some legal advice. And I'll meet with them at that stage. We'll talk through what the legal position is in in, in the UK and and the things that they need to be aware of. And and then they'll go off. They'll they'll find a surrogate or they, they may well have already found one. They'll hopefully get pregnant. The surrogate will give birth. And then I come in again after the birth to help with that parental order application process. So that's the kind of that those are the kind of the stages that you would need a lawyer um, at in terms of a surrogacy journey. That makes sense, because doing something like this, I mean, I imagine, you know, it's something that you you very much want. You've thought about it a lot and it's just making sure that you can kind of breathe a little bit of, I suppose, a bit of a relief, really, by by using a lawyer and just feeling uh, almost a bit a bit safer really with with everything um should anything go wrong so with the um surrogacy can people enter into a surrogacy agreement to stop them having to apply for the parental order afterwards they can't unfortunately so well so it is absolutely possible to enter into a surrogacy agreement and lots and lots of people do i would say in my experience about 99% of people going through a surrogacy journey will will put some kind of document in place which you know is titled a, a, a surrogacy agreement but that agreement or, or or anything you kind of have agreed verbally has no legal standing in England and Wales so the laws surrounding surrogacy uh, in our jurisdiction are they're, they're pretty archaic um they're not particularly fit for purpose uh, and, th- and there's a piece of legislation which 
it has its roots in the 1980s and, and that prohibits various things relating to surrogacy. And one element of that piece of legislation is that it makes it very clear that you can't enter into a binding surrogacy agreement. So you can't kind of change the position in terms of legal parenthood, which means you can't in turn avoid applying for that parental order. Um, but it also means there's no kind of legal contract in terms of what you might have agreed about payments or anything like that. Um, so it really means that everyone is reliant on 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 trust um, when you enter when you enter into a surrogacy agreement in the UK. And so, you know, it's extremely important to make sure that you do your homework, you you understand your legal position and that you really kind of know the the, the person that you're agreeing to do this with, whether you're coming at this as a surrogate or whether you're coming at it as an intended parent. I think it's important to do your homework on both sides. Absolutely. Yeah. So in terms of the parental order, then, how do parents obtain one of those? And also, could you expand a little bit on what it is exactly? Yeah, of course. <laughs> if you don't mind. So um, the parental order is it, it's effectively an application that the intended parents will make to the, the family court once the baby has been born in order to establish their legal parenthood. Once baby's been born in a in a surrogacy case, um, the, the, the parents will register the birth, but that initial birth certificate will have the surrogate's name on as the legal mother. And if she's married, it will have her spouse's name on as, as the legal father. So that's obviously not the, the, the position that we want to end up with. So the effect of the parental order is that the birth will be re-registered. So the general registry office will re-register the baby's birth and um, the intended parents will get a new birth certificate for the baby, which has both of their names on as opposed to the surrogate's details. And the, the parental order gives them both legal parenthood, but it also gives them parental responsibility. So the ability to make you know, those decisions that any parent makes for a child. So, you know, the ability to consent to medical treatment, schooling, um, decisions about religion, um, all those kinds of things. So that that that's what the parental order does, and it's and you know it's an incredibly important order for any any parent who's conceived a child via surrogacy to make sure that they can establish their their parenthood and establish their status. Um, and it's a it's a kind of it's a specific application that you only make in surrogacy cases. It's it's not a kind of multi-purpose order that can be made in various different scenarios. It's it's purely in respect of of surrogacy cases. You you get one by applying to the court and the court being satisfied that you meet various criteria. In very brief terms, the, the, the intended parents, at least one of them, must have a biological connection to the child. So they must use, um, if it's a straight couple, they must use either the intended mother's eggs or the intended father's sperm. Or they can use both, but you know it has to be at least one of them. If they're applying as a couple, then they must be married in a civil partnership or what we call an enduring family relationship. Uh, they must both be over the age of 18. Um, the child's home must be with them and they must be domiciled here. Um, and domicile is a kind of very odd legal concept, which often comes up for, for tax purposes. But it's effectively, from a parental order perspective, the way that the court establishes they have a jurisdiction to make the order. So the intended parents have a connection with England and Wales. 
the the, the other criteria are, are at, at that the the surrogate um, and her spouse must consent to the parental order being made. So they have to give their agreement that um, legal parenthood can be shifted from from them to the intended parents. Uh, and also the law says that no more than reasonable expenses should be paid to a surrogate. Um, so there are kind of there are various tick box criteria. Um, and then the latter ones that I've just mentioned are looked at in a bit more depth by the court. But, but effectively, once those criteria have been established and, and once the court is satisfied that those criteria have been met um, and that a parental order is in the child's best interests, then then a parental order can be made in 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 favor of the intended parents and it usually is made about six to 12 months after the birth that's kind of how long the court process is um but but yeah that's that's the kind of the the impact and, and and how they get one Right. Okay. So, so, you know, from the hospital, this might be a bit of a strange question, but it's just going through in my mind, they wouldn't have to wait for this parental order to be able to have the child living with them right away, would they? No, absolutely not. So in, in, in all cases, the baby will come home from the hospital with the intended parents and right. they will be, you know, they will assume care of the child from birth effectively um, and, and we'll be caring from them while the parental order is kind of rumbling on in the background. And I often say to people, I often call this period of time, a, it, it, it's a, just a limbo period mm. because they are caring for a child who they might have no kind of legal relationship with, but who is, you know, for all intensive purposes, you know, their child, you know, for, for in every other um in every other meaning of that word so um there is a bit of a kind of a, a limbo period whereby parents just have to kind of muddle through mm-hmm. um and it's very kind of legally unsatisfactory mm-hmm. i think and 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 often causes a lot of concern for intended parents understandably um because you know i have questions from clients all the time you know what if there's some medical treatment that's needed and the doctor refuses to, you know, refuses to treat us because I'm not the legal parent. Or what if I go and register at a nursery and the nursery says, oh, you can't do this because you're not you're not the legal parent. So there are a lot of concerns there, but most of those concerns can be overcome on, on, on a practical level by just kind of setting things up in the right way, making sure everything's explained to all the professionals involved. Um, and sometimes consent is needed from the surrogate just to get things over the line while you're waiting for that parental order to be made. But in most cases, um, I have found anyway in my experience that um, that medical professionals and healthcare providers are, are, are as, you know, are pragmatic and as, as helpful as they possibly can be. That's great. Yeah, brilliant. So, so you know, going back to uh, meeting a certain criteria, um, what mm. would happen if the intended parents didn't meet any of that criteria or some of the criteria? Yeah. So, I mean, and and this is happening kind of more and more frequently, actually. And there's there's a there's a huge amount of of case law, so cases that have gone before the court, um, that have been published where people perhaps have fallen just slightly outside of the the, the criteria I mentioned. And the, the reason for that is that because the law is is so old <laughs> um, in this area, you know, we're we're working with laws which were cobbled together more than 40 years ago in 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 some areas when surrogacy kind of wasn't as 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 
it's frequent um and, and because of that the courts try to be as, as flexible as possible and the judges they've they've described themselves as kind of doing you know judicial gymnastics to try and stretch and flex the criteria wherever they possibly can to make it fit um you know and this is something that you will see as as part of your role you know no one family is the same no one's person you know no circumstances is the, are the same and the law doesn't always fit into the the various circumstances that that it's kind of greeted with with these applications so the court does its best and kind of one, one example i can give you is that one of the criteria is that you must apply for a parental order within 6 months so before your baby is six months old, you must have submitted your application for the parental order. Um, But there has relatively recently, towards the end of last year, there was a parental order that was made for an adult, an adult child, I suppose you'd call him. Yeah. Um, And and, and that had come about because the... um, he had been born through surrogacy. Um, I think from memory, he'd been born through surrogacy in, in the US. And in the US, you surrogacy is, is very different. So you will enter into a kind of a, a, a binding contract. There are um, There's a, a, a court process that often happens before the birth and the intended parents are recognised pre-birth as the legal parents of their, of their child. And they'll have a, a US birth certificate with their names on. Now, th- these particular intended parents, they had a US birth certificate with their names on, and they didn't realise that they had that that wasn't recognised in England. Um, so there's no kind of international recognition of parenthood. So the moment they came back to the UK, that US birth certificate that they had was not recognised because the child had been born through surrogacy. Um, but this kind of wasn't discovered for, for for many years, and they then became aware of it and kind of thought, "Oh gosh, you know, what should we, what what should we do?" And they 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 worked with a lawyer, um, and they applied for a parental order, making it very clear that they knew they were outside that criteria, but they were asking the court to to use their discretion in the in the way that the court can in some cases to to make a parental order regardless and. Um, and the court did. The court managed to um, to, to flex the law to, to to the extent that that a parental order could be made. A lot of people would perhaps ask, well, why 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 bother if if that child is an is an adult? You know, what what's the impact of a parental order not being made? But legal parenthood kind of lasts throughout your lifetime. You know, your parents will always be your parents they will you you will be defined within their will as as their child and you will inherit from them you get your nationality from your parents and all of those are are kind of threads of legal parenthood um and and it's very much a a status a status thing legal parenthood you know that your your parents are your parents legally so the, the the importance of that came through in that case and I thought it was a it was a particularly interesting one to show kind of how the law does its best where people don't necessarily meet the criteria. Um, but there are, of course, some cases where 
people don't meet the criteria and the court kind of can't just completely throw out the <laughs> the yeah. legislation and decide to do what, what what they want. And so, you know, in those kinds of cases, alternatives can be looked at. You know, we we, we would always look at things like an adoption order if, if a parental order wasn't possible. That's kind of it, it doesn't always fit in a surrogacy context, um, an adoption order. Uh, and, and so it's not always possible. Um, and so our kind of backup option is something called a child arrangements order. Mm-hmm. Um, and that effectively is, is an order that is often made in cases where, for example, parents can't agree on the arrangements for their children after they've separated. And it will it will regulate who a child lives with and who a child spends time with. Um, and so that can be made in cases where people perhaps don't quite meet the criteria, but it doesn't change legal parenthood. So that child would always be left in a situation where their surrogate is recognised as their legal mother um, and they might not have a kind of legal relationship with their you know, intended parents. So it's it's kind of not not ideal. Um, and, and uh, you know, an acknowledgement of that is that we're we're working very hard to try and get the law changed and we've been kind of working on it for many years now um, and the law commission is looking at it at the moment they first announced they were going to be looking at surrogacy um, in 2017 um, and we've still not got the kind of final report from them Um, and and we're, we're hoping we're going to get it in kind of the spring of this year so spring 2023 um, but that date keeps kind of being being pushed back. But the the impact of that, those reforms, once they happen, will be that there is a, a, a new process for surrogacy whereby intended parents and surrogates, as long as they have they've completed various steps before the baby has been born, there will be a legal position whereby the intended parents are recognised as the legal parents at birth. So that is hopefully where where the law is going and there's so much though isn't there when you think about it because um, all of that I mean especially I was just thinking about situations where you know the surrogacy starts and then those parents by the time the parental order might be kind of nearly done they, they could have separated the first year of a baby's life is, is a very stressful year with no sleep and things like that so so yeah. there's so much to consider isn't there really yes there's a, there's a huge amount to consider and actually that that exact circumstance is one of the cases that has come before the court where the court still could make a parental order even though the intended parents had separated um but you're absolutely right you know there is so many things can happen um and actually the fact that at the moment we establish parenthood six to 12 months after a baby has been born is unsatisfactory because for for that reason you know you just don't know what's going to happen and actually what we need to do is we need to have a situation where we're establishing parenthood at birth and then you know the, the the position is at least clear in terms of who 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 are the legal parents yeah, of course, because also things like, sorry to throw this into the mix, but if someone passed away, either yeah. the parent who, the surrogate parent that carried the baby, um, mm-hmm. I imagine then, you know, their inheritance might end up being passed to that child that actually yeah. is in the, in the process of, of getting kind of 
Absolutely. The so, so there's a lot of things and the other way around as well if those parents passed away what would happen to the child so it, there's a lot of things to consider there which I can see why people do get a lawyer on this um, to be honest <laughs> yeah there's a lot there's a lot to think about wills is a big one you know we always say to people make sure that you've got a will in place for exactly those reasons you've just identified yeah yeah of course so do you as a lawyer often see cases going wrong around this or I do you know I um this is often a question that I get asked in a first meeting with clients they'll say you know do you see lots of cases going wrong um and I think the reason that this this question comes up so much I think it's a reason why clients you know intended parents are understandably so worried about this is because when we see surrogacy in the media I feel like we either see it from the perspective of here's a celebrity who's been through a surrogacy journey and it feels unachievable from that perspective because only rich and famous people can do it or we see it from the perspective of here's a case where everything's gone wrong um and I always say to people neither of those neither of those stories that you see in the media are true um the majority of my clients are normal people you know they're not yeah. celebrities they're not super wealthy and they are are still being able to have a child in this way that is so nice to hear because there's a lot of people struggling and uh you you know straight away what did I say when we came on I was like oh a lot of celebrities are doing it but yeah absolutely and I think I think people often you know when when people kind of are in the very early stages so I have a I have an Instagram page under the handle the surrogacy solicitor and I put that together because I was very conscious that while lots of people will come and see a lawyer, there are lots of people who perhaps have small questions or they're just doing their initial research and they just kind of have, they want to just get a feel for the area. And so I put this page together to try and put some of the more kind of frequently asked questions and kind of background information on there. And the question I get a lot from people is, you know, I didn't really even think that this I don't really know if this is even something I can do because I'm not, you know, I'm not a celebrity and I'm not really wealthy. And my answer to that is always, you know, you absolutely don't have to be. There are There is a huge surrogacy community um, in the UK. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there are some very wealthy people doing this, but absolutely, I would say the majority of people are just normal everyday people you know (laughs) so so there's absolutely no you know no no kind of requirement from that perspective I mean fertility treatment is expensive and that is obviously part of going through surrogacy but but I think you know factoring that in it's it's definitely something that is achievable and and then from the other side of things in terms of you know are, are we going to be one of these cases that we see in the media about everything going wrong and my answer to that is that it's so rare when things go wrong. Um, you do see it sensationalised in the media, but that's because that's an exciting story for the media to publish. You know, the majority of cases where everything has gone smoothly, you know, they're boring from the media's perspective. You know, they, they, we don't want to hear about where everyone's just, you know, you know, happy and everything's fine. That's it. They want they want those clicks, don't they? And they that's do. what it's all about. So they I completely understand what you mean. And yeah, and I imagine a lot of people that go into surrogacy, they're in there because they've really, really thought it through. They've discussed it. They've weighed up the pros and cons, and and all of that side of things. It's not just a decision that you just think, right? It's lunchtime. What can I do today? <laughs> okay, let's let's just get a surrogate. It's, it's something that you think of for a long, long time, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And I mean, I have a lot of my clients kind of come to me and they've been thinking about this for, for years, you know, and, and they've not quite got to the point of, of, of progressing it. You know, I, I help a lot of, a lot of straight couples who've had perhaps, you know, years of, um, of fertility struggles and surrogacy has always kind of been on the radar, but not something that they have wanted to do. So they've wanted to try every possible opportunity of them being able to carry themselves. And so, they, you know, people will do research from from the very start, and a lot of the time, people come to me and they've they, they've got a huge amount of information already, but it's it's personalising it to them and making sure that they know, you know, for their particular circumstances, this is what the situation is. Um, but absolutely, it's not something that people go into kind of rashly. Um, no. Yeah, it's. I mean, I imagine that as as this kind of grows I get I guess more and more people will be looking at surrogacy because a lot of people do experience birth trauma and things like that and and they don't want to go through that again like I had um, a smear test and I had abnormal cells and I had to have some burnt away and they cut away some of my cervix and now I've got a short cervix and if Mm. I was to consider another child because I couldn't have the stitch because it was so short that could be something that I would consider even though I could potentially carry my own child the the um you know, the risks and, and, you know, the thoughts of something going wrong again um, yeah. are quite a worry. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I would I say the majority of my clients are people who are kind of having their first child, but I get a huge number of people now who are, you know, they've, they've perhaps carried their first child themselves, but for, you know, various reasons, um, they're not able to carry a second or, you know, the risks are too high. And, and actually then they're looking to surrogacy to kind of expand their family. So there are various reasons why you would come to it. Yeah. And it's it it we just need a better legal framework so it's easier for people. Yeah, no, that that does make sense. Can you tell us then if someone is considering this, how and what is the best and safest way to actually find a surrogate? Yeah, so this is <laughs> it's a big question and it really really depends so um often people will use kind of family members or or friends um the one of the pieces of advice I often give to people who are at the very early stages who perhaps haven't kind of shared with people yet that this is something they're thinking of um I often say just try if you can and, and talk about it as much as you can because you just don't know who might offer and who might come forward um I had a a, a couple once who I advised and the um, the intended father said to me, I have spoken about this to absolutely everybody I know. I've spoken about it with my hairdresser. I've spoken about it with the lady at the local shop. I've spoken about it with, you know, any, anyone you could think of. He had spoken about it and his hairdresser's cousin had heard about it and come forward and said, you know, this is something I've been thinking about. I'd really like to do it. Oh, do you know that and sent shivers down my spine? It, that That's so lovely. Do you know, it was amazing. And it, he was the first person who actually, I thought, do you know, you've, you've, fair, fair play. Yeah, wow. <laughs> you've really, you've really gone out and kind of just every opportunity. And, you know, that's, of course, that's not for everybody. Um, and, you know, there are lots of people who, there are no kind of family members or, or or friends who are in a position to do this. You know, it's a big undertaking. So there are, you know, there are a number of other places you can look. So there are there are a number of surrogacy agencies in the UK. Um, they're called um, not for profit organisations. I mean, that that's kind of a good place to start. I always say um, because they have a huge amount of information on their respective websites about this. Um, they all work in kind of slightly different ways. 
So, um, for example, one of them is called Surrogacy UK, and they have um, they kind of run events that intended parents and surrogates go to, and they you know you you try and connect with a surrogate um, at events, and and hopefully you will match, and then you can progress with a with a journey together. And then there are agencies such as, um, for example, Brilliant Beginnings is another one. Um, and they have a bit more of a kind of managed process. So they will have surrogates and they will have intended parents on, on their books and they will match people who they think will kind of fit together. Um, and and there, you know, there are a number of others as well. And they again, they all work in their own different ways. Um, and, and it's very much a personal decision. It's, it's how you want to approach this, how you feel comfortable. So um, I often say first thing to do is, you know, get in touch with, with the surrogacy organizations, have a conversation with them, do some research and see see what, how you feel most comfortable doing this. And there are also lots and lots of online groups. So platforms such as Facebook, um, most of the surrogacy agencies will have a kind of Facebook page. There are also some independent Facebook pages um, and people will go on there to both kind of get information, but there are also people who will match on on sites like Facebook and um, and, and find a surrogate in that way. So it it, it, it really, really depends. And I, I the, the advice I always give to people, um, and I think this is often really tricky advice because there is a shortage of surrogates in the UK. Um, the reason for that is because there are restrictions. That piece of legislation I mentioned earlier um, that was put in place in the 80s, that restricts anyone's ability to kind of advertise for a surrogate or to advertise their services as a surrogate and so because of that there's a shortage where people kind of don't really know that this is something they might be able to do so they you know they they don't step forward as a as a result um and so you know it, it, it can be difficult and so people can then kind of jump at their first opportunity to be matched with a surrogate but I think where you're working with someone who is, you know, a, a stranger at first, it's always important to, you know, do your homework, make sure you take your time to get to know them and listen to any red flags. And if it's not right, it's not right. And and you should kind of, you know, keep your options open. So um, there are there are various different ways. And I mean, those are just the ways that you might find a surrogate in, in England. Um, lots of intended parents will will look overseas as well. And simply because it, it can be quicker to find a surrogate overseas yeah no that makes sense so so in terms of destinations then where people would look in terms of surrogacy where where are the main destinations then at the moment so the I, I say the main destinations um are, are the US and and Canada um I'd say they're kind of the big the big two at the moment in terms of where people go um surrogacy in the US is is very well established I mean it is very much a, a you know a commercial destination to go for surrogacy um and and of course there's then a cost associated with that so it, it is it can be prohibitive for some people Canada is also a really good option um they're kind of very well set up um often at a, at a slightly lower cost than America which is obviously a better benefit Ukraine was a was previously a, a main destination, but kind of for obvious reasons, you know, in terms of the conflict there, that's no longer possible. And I, I have seen kind of more so recently some cases in Georgia, um, which is obviously close by to to, to, to Ukraine. Um, it seems that some of the 
some of the organizations who are working in Ukraine have, have, have set up in Georgia. So, so that's, that, that's another option. Um, but, you know, kind of understandable kind of warnings that come, yeah. come with. Um, oh. And there, I mean, there is, there are some newer destinations as well. So there are places like Mexico city and Colombia that are, that are popping up in terms of, um, in terms of surrogacy. But I, I always give a kind of word of warning to intended parents who were looking overseas, who are perhaps, you know, have found a newer destination for surrogacy because where it's not as well established, there are risks associated with that in that it, for example, surrogacy popped up for a little while in, in places like Thailand and Nepal, and they kind of popped up in a, in a gap in the law effectively. So it, there was nothing that prohibited it. So it kind of popped up as a as a little industry for a little while, but then the government kind of got wind of it and closed it down, and, and that did make it very difficult for people who were, you know, had an, an agreement in progress at the time. So um, where you do have newer destinations, there you know, there's absolutely nothing you know stopping you from going ahead with those destinations. But it's just always worth you know getting some legal advice in that jurisdiction getting some legal advice here and just you know making sure it's all pieced together first yeah and also I mean if you're going to work with a lawyer which obviously it makes sense to I guess the earlier the better really so that you can guide them through the whole process because you will know it won't you Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing I always say to people is that the earlier you can come and see a lawyer, the better, because what you I mean, the kind of the cases where you always do a little kind of internal sigh is where somebody comes to you and perhaps they're already pregnant. And then there's this kind of novel issue that you've then got to try and unpick legally. Um, and you and you often think, oh, I wish, you know, I wish I wish they'd just come to me a little bit earlier, you know, just before we'd had that established pregnancy so that we could have just done our, you know, kind of got everything, got our ducks in a row at an early point. Yeah, yeah, that does make sense. So so you can obviously help a lot of people on Instagram as well. So so can you share a bit more about um where obviously we've, you've told us about the UK surrogacy organisations, but can you give us your link to where people can find you on Instagram and anything else that you think is a good place for people to go to? Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, as I said, lo- lots of resources in terms of the UK organisations, but my so my Instagram is under, I'm on Instagram as the surrogacy solicitor. Um, so I'm on there and I um, I need to share more, but I try and share as much as I can in terms of um, in terms of information. Um, and it's a it's one of my projects for 2023 uh, to, to try and share even more oh, um, on there. Um, but there's also um, there is a there is a really good um, document actually on the government website about surrogacy, um, which, again, it's a good place to start in terms of some kind of background information. So um, there, that's probably your, your, the, the first place to go. That's great. So um Bethan, what we'll do is we'll put all the links, including your social media link at the bottom of this podcast. But if anyone has any questions, I do really recommend reaching out to Bethan anyway. Um, is there a telephone number that people can catch you on? Yeah, there is. So my um, probably the best number for me is 01483-791-807. And that's my that's my direct dial. So that gets straight through to me. Um, or if I'm not available, my PA. Um, and then we can um we can yeah, hopefully answer any questions um that anyone has. That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. I um, I feel like I asked you a lot of questions there. So thank you so much <laughs> for, for answering all those. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to today's My Bumped Baby Expert podcast. If there is a subject you would like more information about, please send your requests in to info at mybumptobaby.com. Wondering what's on in your local area? Come and join our weekly newsletter where we share the classes and groups that are on in your local area. From pregnancy to preschool, we have you covered. Click the link below this podcast to receive your newsletter each week, every Sunday, so you know what's on and you can plan your week ahead.